Labor unions used to be the power brokers in the American workplace. They gave us the eight-hour workday, paid vacation, health plans, and access to the middle class. But membership has collapsed ever since labor's heyday in the 1950s. Now, the labor movement is experiencing a resurgence, and one of the biggest battlegrounds is where you get your lattes. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. Today, we're taking you to a Starbucks in Santa Cruz, California, where workers are demanding more from their corporate employers. Three out of the five shift supervisors when I started here quit, one after another. Thank you. My name is Joseph Thompson. I'm 18 years old. I've been at Starbucks for about two years in total now. Now, my producer didn't drive all the way out to Santa Cruz just to pick up the chain's new pistachio latte. Yeah, um, the pistachio latte, it's made with the pistachio syrup, so it's made like with the real pistachios. And then it comes with like milk, steam, espresso shots, salted, brown, like cookie butter topping. Instead, we're checking in on ground zero of a campaign to organize a sector long resistant to unions, restaurants. We know the value of our worth and we know that like Starbucks couldn't operate without us. And that's why we came together and said, we need a union to represent our values. Here to talk about the organizing efforts of baristas across the country is my LA Times colleague and business reporter, Suhana Hussein. Suhana, welcome to The Times. Hi, thanks for having me. So you recently spoke to Joseph Thompson at a Starbucks in Santa Cruz. What made them and their colleagues want to join a union? So at that Starbucks in Santa Cruz, Joseph described how workers at that store experience incidents of harassment and indecent exposure. And they felt like, you know, they haven't received support from management to feel safe and deal with situations like that when they happen. There's a lot of homeless people around the area and that's caused a lot of the issues. But a lot of Reese's here, you know, want to support the unhoused population. And they really want to see Starbucks step up with our community and really make sure people are getting fed, make sure they have meals. But Starbucks has, you know, instead chose to more police the homeless population. And then aside from that, like with any Starbucks or a lot of these types of jobs, workers will be scheduled for shifts that they can't do or they don't have that much say over that. So our manager would schedule partners outside of their availability and that would make partners either have to choose to go to school or work partners were also scheduled shifts for a certain time, and then they had the shift changed. Actually, at this store, a bunch of current and former workers wrote a letter to Starbucks as a corporation detailing some of the issues in their store. It was signed by a worker who also used it kind of as their resignation letter. They were like, I'm fed up with this store and here's why. When I asked Starbucks about some of these issues that workers in Santa Cruz raised, a spokesperson told me that the company couldn't speak to these specific issues that they were raising. And uh, the spokesperson reiterated what Starbucks has said before, which is that they oppose a union. Wow. 
this location in Santa Cruz, it was the first Starbucks in California to file a union petition, but it's part of a nationwide trend for the company. How did it start? Starbucks workers have voted to unionize at a store in Buffalo, New York. It started with a store in Buffalo filing a union petition. The National Labor Relations Board says workers voted 19 to 8 in favor of a union. In early December, they won their election. They were shortly followed by another store in Buffalo. The coffee giant has actively fought unionization for decades. Starbucks says its stores function best when it works directly with employees, which it calls partners. Things have just really been so explosive. We have earned our seat and we have proven that we are Starbucks. So as of early last week, more than 60 stores have filed petitions across 19 states. And Starbucks especially has always passed itself off publicly, at least, as a great place to work. They offer tuition reimbursement, paternity leave, and by this summer, they say that pay is going to start at at least $15 an hour. I think Starbucks is a really interesting case because they sort of present themselves as this progressive company. And to their credit, they did offer hazard pay to workers at the beginning of the pandemic, like $3 per hour pay bumps and offered workers several weeks off if they wanted to take it during the pandemic. So the company always has these perks that they offer their employees. And I think part of that is to honestly dissuade workers from unionizing. Well, that might have worked in the past, but it's clearly not enough anymore. So why are baristas organizing now? The reason is the pandemic has been a huge component in all of this. It exacerbated a lot of these issues with working conditions a lot riskier and less safe for workers. And now we have a labor shortage. I quit. More people are saying that than ever before. Workers who have considered quitting their jobs have concerns related to the coronavirus pandemic. Workers finding themselves with bargaining clout for the first time in decades are becoming choosy about jobs. That also gives workers additional sort of leverage and power. There's an opening here, right, with the pandemic for these workers. So I think that's part of why we're seeing more organizing activity across sectors, really, but especially here in these food service jobs. Coming up after the break, we'll take a look at the state of organizing in the U.S. We're back. Suhana, Starbucks isn't the only company facing organizing efforts, as you mentioned earlier, or walkouts or even strikes. Labor unions seem to be having a moment right now the way they have it in decades. What other industries are getting caught up in this? It's really across every industry that we're seeing more organizing efforts. Amazon is facing the biggest union push in its history. The election vote at the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, got a lot of attention. The National Labor Relations Board reports a majority of workers at Amazon's warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama, voted against the union. The union says it intends to file an objection with the NLRB, charging the company with illegally interfering with the vote. 
that vote is actually happening again this month. There's student workers at universities. There's other types of organizing going on that aren't necessarily like the traditional union organizing, but it's still like labor organizing for workers to get more rights. Fast food chains, workers are walking out, uh, media companies, these white collar workers at media companies and Google. Shout out to the LA Times Guild of both which myself and Suhana and all the producers are at the Times are proud members of. Totally. There's a lot of activity. It's everywhere. All of this comes out at a time when support for labor unions is on the rise. A 2021 Gallup poll estimated that 68% of all Americans approve of labor unions. That's the highest approval rating since 1965. And that's come a long way since the all-time low, 48% in 2009. It's totally true that unions are having a moment and politicians are sort of recognizing that. When unions win, workers across the board win. That's a fact. Families win, community wins, America wins, we grow. The Biden administration is one of the most pro-union administrations that we've seen, I think. And, you know, part of that is from other progressive lawmakers like AOC and Bernie Sanders. So the Biden administration has fully made it clear that it is doing everything in its power to enforce the laws that we have in support of workers. Actually, last week, the White House released this report that recommended how they could better support workers who were organizing. The report submitted to President Joe Biden argues that a decades-long drop in union membership has coincided with a rising share of income going to the top 10% of earners and make workers aware of the collective bargaining rights that they have. But all this excitement is coming at a time where union membership has fallen to near record lows. Only 10% or so of U.S. workers are part of a union right now, compared to around 35% in the mid-1950s when union membership in the U.S. was at its height. What precipitated this decline? I think a number of anti-sort of labor laws and increasing power of corporations, changes in what the workforce looked like. Our workforce now doesn't really resemble what it did in the early 1900s. And we have a lot more service workers. Companies have relied on more layered arrangements. So they will outsource their work or use contract workers in an effort to cut costs. And that trend was all um, pushed and aided by laws like the Taft-Hartley Act of 1947 was a big one that rolled back certain union protections and there were a number of Supreme Court cases that eroded worker protections in the past several decades. The labor laws that we have are pretty weak and experts I talk to say that that can only really change in a real way if, if Congress takes action. Coming up, what it actually takes to organize. Suhana, before the break, we were talking about the decline of labor unions in the United States. My mom was a Teamster, by the way. And that made me wonder, why do people want to join them in the first place? 
it gives you more sort of say in what your workplace looks like, how it is, what your benefits are. Union members often, you know, have higher salaries. It can be upwards of like 19% higher on average. There are other sorts of job protections you can ask for, especially during the pandemic. That was really helpful for some workers who wanted to ask for more safety equipment and that sort of thing. I can give the example of my own union at the LA Times. We have been able to have more clear and direct communication with management in terms of COVID testing facilities. Workers are experiencing all different kinds of conditions. And the pandemic is actually a prime example to show how and why that can be important in people's lives and their jobs. We talked earlier about how more than 60 Starbucks are trying to start a union. But what does the process actually look like? Like Joseph and their co-workers at the Starbucks in Santa Cruz, what did they have to do to get started? It all kind of starts with uh, signing some union cards. And then kind of from there, you can gauge whether or not they'd support the union. So you need a certain threshold of workers that indicate their support for a union by signing these union cards. You want to aim for about 70% of people signing union cards, but you only need about 30% to actually file. You bring that to the NLRB and ask for an election, and then the NLRB will start that process. They certify them, verify them, and then, you know, they hold basically a hearing to decide who's a part of the bargaining unit for each store. Starbucks workers at those Buffalo stores that I mentioned are represented by Starbucks Workers United, which is part of the broader organization Workers United, which is an affiliate of a big union called the Service Employees International Union. And this campaign by Starbucks Workers United is pretty public, so it's very easy for Joseph and other workers to reach out to them. They're amazing. They've been very supportive throughout this entire process. And their lawyer sort of helped them file the paperwork and that sort of thing. They want us to win because it's not only a fight to show how the city of Santa Cruz is developing as a union town, but also to, you know, spread this throughout California. How Starbucks taking the news of all these stores organizing? Have they tried to retaliate? In many of the stores that have filed for union elections. Um, Starbucks has filed technical challenges to those. People are saying it's like a strategic tactic to delay the elections. The NLRB has to decide if those challenges are valid. We also last week saw that Several union organizers at a Memphis Starbucks were actually fired. Obviously, you know, Starbucks isn't saying it's because they're union organizers. So some of these workers conducted an interview with a media outlet inside of the store after hours. And Starbucks is saying that in that process, they violated some of the store's policies. We're hoping that if we organize all the stores and and many more to come, that eventually, you know, Starbucks will have to stop putting up this union-busting fight and fix the issues that are causing unionization within the company. 
And beyond Starbucks, there's efforts to organize coffee shops all across the United States, like in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. I did a story last year about a tiny coffee shop chain in Southern California, Augie's, that was trying to organize. And the owners shut down Augie's, saying that the pandemic made it happen. But those workers filed a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board saying that Augie shut down specifically so there wouldn't be a union. What makes baristas, you think, so ripe for unionizing? So I actually think it's harder to organize these workers in a sense in these sort of like high turnover jobs. In the context of the broader service industry, I can see why Starbucks workers are a good sector of workers to organize because the broader service industry is much more patchwork, right? Like it's not like every restaurant or every store is owned by the same entity. In fast food, McDonald's, for example, all the McDonald's are not owned by McDonald's. They're owned by franchisee owners. But Starbucks stores, they're not franchises, right? Like they're all owned by the same corporation. So that means that when workers are organizing, They're all bargaining with the same entity. That's part of the reason that we're seeing organizing efforts spread so rapidly in this case. It's a lot more simple in terms of what needs to be done versus like if you're talking about McDonald's, you're not just talking to McDonald's, you're talking to like all these others, like technically small business owners who might own your individual store and not McDonald's. Finally, labor has long targeted the restaurant industry, but historically they have failed again and again. What do you see happening to those Starbucks employees in Santa Cruz and beyond? It's really up in the air. Obviously, we're seeing this huge push to like join a union, but the second part of that is also really important. Actually, like negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. That is also like, I think the part that people forget. The initial campaign to join a union might be highly visible. And if they win that election, then there's this long like battle to sort of actually negotiate the contract, what actual benefits they get from this. So there are a lot of unknowns, I think, in this. I don't know what's going to happen to these Starbucks employees. I love Starbucks. Like, I started when I was 16. It's a great job for college. I do get my healthcare benefits through Starbucks. But really, Starbucks, because they are, you know, a huge corporation, they should be doing a lot more to support their workers. I think it will be interesting to watch these next several months and years, actually. Suhana, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, yet another push to end the death penalty in California. Is this one for real or just another false start? Kasha Brasalian and Shannon Lynn were the jefas of this episode. This show is also produced by Denise Guerra, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmin Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you a podcast. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and this madre. Gracias. <laughs>